always give 100% in everything you do. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of houses a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast. This is Bill Allen. And today I've got a big treat for you. So my lead manager for Blackjack Real Estate is with me today. Uh, she's incredible. I absolutely love her. She's so much fun to work with and be around. And uh, we've got to spend a lot of time together lately at some of our quarterly meetings. And I've gotten to know her a lot better. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Val Brega. Hey, Brow, how are you? Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I appreciate you kind of taking some time to spend with me. And uh, I, I know the phones are probably ringing off the hook right now. So <laughs> being able to kind of like put down the phone and spend an hour with me and uh, talk about kind of business and what and your story a little bit. I think there's a lot of people that are listening that will be inspired by kind of your story. I've done this. Um, I, I did a couple interviews with some of the um, the, the group members. So some of the people that have come in and become these board of directors for me. And now I'm in this kind of series of interviewing some of our management staff inside the company and some of the people that'll be helping with uh, some of our programs going forward and speaking at Flip Hacking Live. So um, I interviewed Nate, I interviewed Chad, and it's uh, nice to have you on now. So you're kind of like next up of, um, of the incredible people that we have in the company. So uh, sure yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we got a lot of people that are probably wondering, they hear your accent and they wonder a little bit about like who you are and your story. And I've shared, I think when Nate and I were talking, I shared a little bit about how I've always thought that in Pensacola, we've got this, it is the South. People think it's Florida, so it's Florida. It's not the South, but really it's kind of like that, this lower Alabama area where everybody has the Southern accent and it's just like an extension of Alabama basically. So I've always thought that the people who answer the phone, they need to have this Southern accent and it's really will draw people in and make them sound local. So I remember, you know, kind of hearing you and talking to you in the beginning, I was like, you know, I don't really know. She, her accent is not from Alabama or, or the South. Where is that accent from? So tell me, tell us a little bit about kind of your story and where you're from and some of that stuff. I think it's a really cool story. So. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, I was expecting the same thing. I was expecting when I took this job, I was like, well, what if people will not open up to me because of my accent. But surprisingly, this hasn't happened uh, at all. You know, only a couple of people ask me where I'm from. Most of them maybe just think I'm American. Maybe I do sound American. <laughs> maybe not from Southern Alabama, but somewhere. Um, but yeah, I was born uh, in Moldova. It's a very small country in Eastern Europe. Uh, it was a former Soviet Union country, and uh, then it was, uh, before that it was part of Romania. So we culturally, we share both the Romanian and the Russian uh, um, history and, and culture and music and you know just uh, but uh, but yeah I'm Moldovan I grew up in um, different countries I lived in Germany I lived in Sweden I lived in the United States I actually went to high school one year in the US and then uh, I went to college here in the US as well uh, full scholarship my parents don't speak English they were not able to help me attend uh, the college so it's all you know it, it's through hard work discipline and um, and when I was an exchange student in the United States I lived with a great host family who 
helped me guide through this American process of applying to colleges and, and they kind of pushed me in this American lifestyle, which I really, really liked. And I wanted to come back to, to the States. Um, and so um, I, um, that's actually a really cool story. I won the green car lottery. I don't think a lot of people know what that is. When they tell Americans that, they have no idea. But it's it's a program financed by the United States government, and pretty much all almost all countries in the world can apply. And it's completely random. Um, only a very few people are selected, um, and out of so many applicants. And we have been very very lucky. We have been selected, and within one year, we got here to the states. Um, it was a big decision for us. We had I just had a newborn baby and we had to leave everything behind and take this journey, but we decided that it's a great opportunity for us and for our child. So my family moved here. And so when, when was that? So when was that? You went to, uh, you, did you do the one year of high school and then college? So you did like a senior year of high school here in the US and then went to college. And then did you go back to Moldova after that? I did my senior year here as an exchange student. And then I went back and I repeated my senior year back in Moldova. So I graduated twice from high school. Nice. <laughs> and in that time, I applied to US colleges. I applied to maybe 14 universities. Uh, it, it was just a, such a great time. We didn't have internet at home. I woke up very early to go to an internet cafe. Uh, so I was there at 6 AM working on my applications, then go to school. Um, my senior year of high school and then um, after school I went back to internet cafes to do to do my more work on the application so it, it was a lot of you know a lot of things that I, I had to do but I, in the end it paid off you know I I went to a very good school here in the states okay and then uh, so what was your major in college I majored in finance and in German finance and German Double, Double major. Yes. Okay. And then, uh, so you did that. And then after college, what, did you go back to Moldova after that? I did. I went back to Moldova. I uh, had my own business, uh, which went really well. Um, then we moved to Sweden because my, my husband got a good job offer there. So we moved there. And uh, it, when we were in Sweden, we found out about, you know, that we are among the very few lucky ones to get the green card lottery. So we moved to the States. Awesome. So what, what is, what's kind of the odds of getting that? Is it like winning the lottery for here or is it really difficult to get? Do you know anybody else who's done that? I know a lot of people who have done that, but I don't know anyone who has actually won. Okay. So, <laughs> so the, the odds are really, really bad. So it's really, really difficult. Yes, really difficult. And a lot of people are applying and, and it's, it's, a, it's a lottery, you know, to all the countries in the world. So, and it's a, it's a very thorough process um, after you're selected. Uh, it's a lot of background checking and, and just a lot of, you know, things that, but it's, uh, yeah. So now we're here. So won the green card lottery and decided, you know what? I won the green card lottery. I think we should move to Pensacola, Florida. Is that how it went? <laughs> That's exactly how it went. And um, the reason for that is because I have a sister who lives here. Um, so I, I was, we were worried to be honest, because you know, it's one thing when you go to, to a country as an exchange student or a, as a college student, because you know where you will live. There's a system that takes care of you in a way, right? You have a host family, you have the college itself. But here we were completely on our own uh, with a one-year-old baby and well, toddler and uh, you know, just not knowing anything. We have to find a house, we have to find a job, car, insurances literally starting from zero, buy furniture, everything, finding daycare, 
it was very nerve-wracking for us at the beginning. It was a very tough first month here. And um, we said, you know what, we, we took the risk, we came here, we're gonna do everything we can to make it work in the United States. We're gonna make it work. You know, we're gonna live the American dream. We'll, yeah. we'll be able to do that. And I said, well, I will accept, the, the, I will work at a grocery store if I have to. I will just, you know, but one year we're giving ourselves this time. And so things have worked so much better for us than we hoped they would. Um, we set a goal for ourselves, what we want to achieve in one year, and we've accomplished way more than that. So we're very optimistic about our future here. Okay, so, uh, so move to Pensacola. Let, let me put a pin on that because I think like what I'm hearing is I'm going to the internet cafe very early in the morning. Mm. I'm doing my application. I'm going to work or to school at that time. And then I'm coming back and I'm doing more <laughs> application work. And then I'm going home and probably doing my homework and my studies and getting ready to do it all over again. So it, I, all I hear is this like hard work and determination coming from you. And I, I know you, so it's a little bit cheating that I know that that's the kind of person that you are. <laughs> But I'm sure that all the listeners are really hearing that too. And it's coming out saying, wow, okay, I can see this person has started their own business after college, you know, worked through the application, applied for college. Like a lot of people say, oh, she's just really lucky that she won the green card lottery. Well, it sounds like that application process was also grueling to actually put it in and apply for it and do all these things. So like, where did that kind of work ethic come from for you? Um, do you think? Maybe it has to do with my personality, but also um, we had a very difficult time growing up. Uh, we were four kids and my parents were working so hard to, to provide a, I can't call it a good living, but a, you know, a, a decent living for us to go to school, for us to have food on the table. And I think that kind of um, hustling and, and um, motivation got into me because I, I don't want my family to go through that. I want to have stability. I want to, um, I want my daughter to be proud of me and, and to, to have a, a good life and the best opportunities for her. But I also want to thank my parents uh, through my hard work because they, they worked way more than, than anyone I know, you know, just to, just to make sure that I can go to school and get a good education. And that's how I learned English. And that's how I got good grades. And that's what helped me propel in life. And I think, um, you know, my hard work is also a, a, the example I saw in my parents. But I can't do anything different because it would not be respectful to what they have done for me. So I, I, and I think that's, that's, and then it got, got ingrained into who I am. And, and it's always give 100% in everything you do. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I see it in you every day at work and anytime that we're together at the quarterly meetings and planning and stuff like that, you really kind of, you know, take take that ownership of of what you're doing and and really you're responsible for it and you work hard and it's it's very honorable to see that and I'm sure um is uh, it, it comes from our parents and our upbringing and all of those things. So, and I, I love that what you said about your daughter, I have no doubt that she'll be incredibly proud of you and, so. and grow up the same way. So, uh, okay. So you came to Pensacola, Florida and said, I, I figured your answer was going to be like, I just took the map and spun it and I threw a dart or something like that. And Oh, Pensacola. So you have uh, some family here, your sister here. And it's so funny. We went out to dinner when I was in Pensacola and you said, there's Moldovans all over everywhere. They're everywhere. You, you be shocked. There's probably one here right now. And about an hour later, we're finishing up dinner. And sure enough, somebody comes in. And it's like, Oh, hi. Hi, Val. It's another Moldovan family. 
family here that I know. So I just thought it was like, I, I, I don't know how much you paid those actors, but it was really funny <laughs> to, to see that. So, so you came to Pensacola and, um, and then what? So did you just get a job? Did you find us? Like, what is that story? How did that unfold? So I, um, I didn't even recover from the jet lag and I started applying for jobs. And I had a number for myself. Every day I'm applying to five jobs. I think that was my number. Uh, maybe sometimes it was three, but you know, that was the goal. Just send resumes, apply, follow up and everything. And um, I applied to so many and I wouldn't get a response from, from the companies that I wanted to or, or, um, or the banks because I didn't have experience. I graduated with a degree in finance and I thought, you know, working at a bank might be a, a logical job for me. And, but I, I always did like real estate and I saw the company Blackjack Real Estate and I applied and I got to tell you a little secret here. Um, when I applied to a job, I never apply with my name Val. I just say my full name, Valentina, because, you know, it's professional. And, but this one, I applied for Blackjack with Val because I said, well, there's no way this company will accept me. I have no background in real estate, no knowledge in real estate. Uh, why would they take me? You know, so I was like, so, um, well, but I, I have to apply to five jobs a day. So I'm just going to put, you know, Val, I'm, it's worth a shot, right? I mean, what do I have to lose? And then sure enough, uh, just a few days later, I get a phone call from Nate and say, hey, um, would you like to work with us? Or would you like to have an interview with me? And I was so shocked and I was like, of course. And, and I loved what, when I had the interview with him, I loved what the company stands for. I, um, I love the core values of the company, what, what you guys do and everything. It was just, it was love at first interview, if I can call it. <laughs> so, um, and at that point, um, by the second interview, I already got a couple of uh, offers from banks that I, uh, and that I, you know, I was thinking of, I was having, you know, I needed to decide which job they want to take. And I just thought that I can see so much more potential in real estate and so much more that I could do later on in real estate rather than working in a bank. Um, so it was a no brainer for me at that point. And I loved the company. I loved what it stands for again. Yeah, it was. So I chose blackjack real estate and I've been so happy I did that. And yeah, one that's of the best decisions ever. That's awesome to hear. You know, I, it's, I'm having a lot of fun doing these interviews with you guys because even like our, my call with Nate, my call with Chad, I'm learning things that I had no idea were <laughs> happening. I didn't know. I figured we're just the only company that you're applying to. You're like this or nothing. It's like, no, it's, I'm going to get this job with them or that's it. Uh, I'm going to leave Pensacola. So, and it's funny because as a business owner, you're sitting here going, you know, I'm, the people are looking at other people other than just me. Like I actually have to ask, act fast to get this great employee. And it's true. Like we talk about so much about hiring that um, people don't understand, you know, we're, we're trying to win over our employees and our contractors and all these people just as much as they're trying to win over us. Like we have to project something to them as the business owner and the, and the company that they have some, some good feelings about us too. We spend so much time talking about what kind of questions you ask in an interview. Um, how, what's your process like? What does it look like? How do you hire great people? Um, but we have to remember that, you know, I'm asking you to come put your trust and faith in me and my business to support you and your family. So I have to win you over too. Like I always in my interviews, like, do you have any questions for me about what we do or who I am or anything like that? You heard when, when I did the podcast with Nate, uh, a couple, um, 
episodes ago, his wife came down and had dinner with me and my family to like check out to see if we were the right people for him to leave a corporate job and come work with me. I mean, that's a big step for him. He's been there for a long time, four years high up in the, uh, you know, and has a high trajectory in that company to leave that for this dream of pursuing a, being a CEO of a real estate company is, that's a big step. And his family wanted to get to know my family. And I totally understand that. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, same thing with you. It's, Hey, what do we stand for? What are the core values? What is this company? And really making sure that that's out there and we're telling the people that we're interviewing what it is and what we're all about so that they can buy into us too. So um, I'm glad that you saw that. I'm glad that this happened. At first you were like, uh, Nate called me and said, would you like to work with us? I was like, that was the interview. That's it. He just called you. (laughs) So so, um, it sounds like we made a good impression on you. You made a great impression on us. And you said, okay, I'm going to come on board. And uh, I think we, did we, we had some staff at that time answering the phones, right? Was it, was Didi still answering the phone then? She was the uh, lead manager? Uh, Yes, she was the lead manager. Yes. And then Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had a couple people, you came in and it wasn't like you were direct, like straight up to the management team overseeing all the lead intake people. You just came in and started answering the phone. It was just kind of like this uh, entry level type position and you were answering the calls, doing lead intake. Like all, a lot of you guys that are listening, if you're just starting your business, this is somebody who we send out marketing. Uh, the, they look at the mail pieces or, or online advertising or any type of the marketing that we do for inbound leads and they'll answer the phone and just qualify that lead and set up an appointment. That's the whole goal of a kind of a lead intake person or a lead manager is just to do some pre-qualifications, check motivation, and see what they want to do. And, you know, can we, can we help them or not? And just kind of filter through. They also take the brunt of all of the horrible calls that we get. The take me off your list. The, and that's really the nicest one. The other ones are, <laughs> you know, how do you know where I live? How did you drive by my house and put this card in there? Uh, why do you have a picture of my house on this card? And why, you know, I'm going to come kill you or I'm, I'm going to find you and hunt you down. It's just... It is like horrible sometimes. Um, so like this is what Val has won the green card lottery, moves to the United States, get, roots down into Pensacola, Florida and says, I want to get yelled at like 60% of my day. So what was that like when you said, okay, I'll do it. You're training and you're starting to take these calls. What was that like? Um, I actually re- really liked it because we do have some bad callers, but we actually have some of the nicest callers ever, you know, and, and there are some people that have a lot of motivation and a lot of pain and people who see us as the last resort or, or the only resort to sell their house to, right? Uh, they can't lease their property. They can't sell it on their own. They don't have the necessary information or they have such a huge problem dealing with that they don't want to worry about their house too. And it is those kind of callers and those kind of people that, 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 you know, makes you enjoy what you do because you are making a huge difference in someone's life. You are providing them with, with uh, cash so they could follow their dreams, so they can get out of debt, so they can, you know, somehow have a better life. And, uh, and yeah, that, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's very rewarding knowing that people, you know, thank you for listening. That's a huge part of, of being leading take, right? You have to listen to people and you have to understand what, what is it that, that hurts them, what's their pain. And um, it, it's been a very rewarding um, job for me and, and experience. And I learned so much about people and, and um, how to help them. And I like helping people. I, I genuinely do. So it's, yeah, it's been very easy. 
I think that's a great attitude to have. So any of you guys listening out there, you know, I, if someone, my phone rings, I would just want to like throw it on the other side of the room. Like I really don't like answering it. I don't like talking on the phone. Um, that, that people that uh, sometimes it just drives me nuts. Like I remember when I had to do it and I would just, I wouldn't mail a lot of cards because I knew that it was going to make my phone ring. I would always come up with an excuse not to mail more or, you know, do more marketing because my phone was going to start ringing and I was going to have to talk to them. So the second that I brought Didi in, I still remember, I was like, I don't care how many cards I send. Like she's got to answer the phone and she likes to answer the phone. And hearing that from you is really powerful to hear that, you know, something that I really don't like to do. There's things that I'm really, really good at and things that I just despise doing. And, you know, you really like to talk to people and spend time with them on the phone and hear their story. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, they got, uh, some of them have really cool stories and things that are going on and they're in a position where they need our help. And uh, to find somebody who just really loves to help people, this is a great position for them. And, and it's so easy for, you know, if you ask the right questions, it's so easy for people to open up. They want to tell you what their situation is. They want to tell you their motivation. And you just got to be genuine. You know, if, if you really think that we can help you, I, I would love to set the appointment and, you know, and, and see if we can be of, of assistance to them. Yeah. So, so what are some things that you think like, so at this point you're answering the phone, they, people can hear the kind of person you are and, and, and what you like. So if somebody else is looking for someone like you in a lead intake, like what kind of qualities do you think that, um, because you just hired somebody, you spent a lot of time hiring somebody, right? So what does that look like? Uh, what should they be looking for? What kind of things should, should they not like? And what should they, what should they like in somebody? They, they should be empathetic. First of all, good listeners. I, I don't even know. I don't even know which one is the most important one. I think all of all of these qualities are, are super important. Good listener, uh, empathetic, right? Um, uh, be like, a, act like a, a shrink if you want, right? You ask the right uh, questions. So a lot of a lot of the cases, the the callers, they don't know. They can't verbalize their situation, right? They can't pinpoint what their problem is so much. So you have to ask them in a certain way or, or talk to them in a way that they can trust you so they can open up. And the more they open up, the more they realize how much they need us, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about us forcing them like, hey, let us come take a look at the house. It, it's them realizing that we could be their solution. And when I do the hiring for lead intake, that's what I want to, to pay attention to. How much can people read between the lines and, and um, understand and hear what's not being said by the caller and uh, be it in the tone of their voice in a couple of words that, you know, should make you want to ask more questions about that. So it's, it's a lot of details that go into hiring lead intake, but that, these are the most important ones. Good listener, empathetic, um, a good, having a good conversation and, and being genuine and uh, being trustworthy so people don't feel like they are talking to a robot. Being human, basically, right? I mean, we're all humans. We all have problems. We all have uh, situations, if, if difficult situations, or we know someone who does. So just find something to connect uh, to the people on, on a human level and, and see if you can help them. And I, I don't know if I can put that in an ad when I hire lead intake, but when you talk to them on the phone, when you interview people, you get a sense of what person, what that person is and if he or she would be a good fit. And uh, that's, that's, that was my compass, that was my guide to hiring in, in lead intake. So do you feel like you spend more time talking about who the person is and what their values are than necessarily kind of the skill set of like 
what's your background and your history in uh, job roles and positions. So you ask more questions about who they are, if they're empathetic, if they really like to talk to people and things like that. I would say mostly yes. I also look at, uh, at uh, their previous experience because um, you can be empathetic, but, you can't, but you're not necessarily patient, right? So have you, has this person ever done any phone work before? Um, have they, how do they feel about it, right? So there were a couple of candidates that had the perfect, perfect experience. They were on the phone. Uh, they had to deal with people with situations. But somehow, I, we didn't connect, right? There was no connection. So uh, experience is a great thing, but, but there, it, there, it has to be this human element and this connection element. You have to connect. And if they can connect with me, they, I don't know how they will connect with the sellers also. So that's, that's an important factor that I also take into account. But nice. I just look at experience also. Yeah. yeah, I think that's great. One of the things that I look at a lot is kind of how long have they held a position in the past too. Like uh, when I look at their resume and they're moving somewhere else every nine months or one year, it's something's going on, whether it's even if they've done a good job, they're just constantly looking for something else or the next stop. Uh, I don't want to be at this point in our business, I don't want to be a stop on the way to their next thing. Um, so a lot of times I kind of look at that now as we're uh, getting a little bit bigger and we could be a little pickier, right? So what, um, how long this, so you, you just hired somebody for us and, mm-hmm. um, you seem to take your, so I, I like things done really fast. I want things done like two weeks ago or yesterday. Um, but not wait. So how many people did you interview for this position and like, how long did it take for you to pick the right one? Uh, it probably took about two months with the whole, the, when we started. Um, but just because again, no, no connection, no sparks, you know, and, and I would, I would rather do double the work and, and, you know, rather than hire someone who's not going to be a good fit, you know, because I need to control the quality of the work that lead intake is producing and I can't risk it with someone. And, you know, to your point, the person we just recently hired, her name is Kaylin, right? Uh, I was considering her, but she didn't have the experience. Uh, she has, I did not know how she would do on the phones. Uh, she is a very, oh, here you go, the phone is ringing. <laughs> She's such a social butterfly and, you know, she likes, she likes people. That's a, that's a good thing. But I felt like she needs to socialize face-to-face with people. And so it took a while for, for us to hire her. And prior to that, we hired someone else with the perfect experience, with a person who has always worked on the phones, um, who has done something similar, right? Um, so she is aware, she knows how to work with the phone, she knows how to work in a virtual team. Uh, she just checked all the boxes, you know? And it didn't last a week after we hired her. So I was like, no, that's, that's, that's not, you know, we, we need to find someone who wants it, someone who craves it. And... Uh, in the meantime, when I, I already told Kaylin, I'm sorry, we offered the position to someone else. But before that, I love the way she followed up with me. And I, I say that all the time. She texted me, uh, she texted me and uh, in one of her messages, she was like, Val, when can I start the job? You know, <laughs> without even me telling her, you know, we're still waiting for, to finalize the process. She's like, when can I start it? So I love that she doesn't even ask me, hey, do you hear anything? She assumes the question, right? She assumes that role. She, she's, she's taking ownership. She's like, I'm already looking at desks to order for in-home. When can I start it? And these little things, these details is what ultimately won. You know, it's like, I, I, 
I want this person in my team. And she, she's been great so far. She's been, she's been very active on the phones, great with the sellers, uh, learning a lot, learning very fast. She wants to grow in real estate. She has a career path that I can see and I know why she wants this job, right? So I, I, we're not only assessing the seller's motivation, I'm also assessing my teammates' motivation. Why do you want to work with me? Why do you want to work with us? So it makes sense. And I've been very happy with this decision. It took a little longer, right? But uh, in the end, I think we did the right thing. Yeah. And so just for reference, I, I probably will interview, I'll, I'll look at maybe 50 or hundred resumes. I'll interview three people and I'll hire one of them. That's just kind of the way that I have to go. And so we hear all the time kind of hire slow and fire fast. And it's really, really important to do that. And if you can't do it, to have the people around you that can. So if I was involved in this process, I would have probably been banging my head against the wall going, Val, just hire somebody. Come on. We need help. Like we are drowning in phone calls. And you know what the, the interesting part is here, guys, is Val is not like the human resources director for hiring, right? She is the lead intake, the lead manager. So if there's not someone in there, if we don't have a third person, she's answering more calls. She's doing more work. So she took her time to hire the right person. And while she was doing that, she was having to work more by answering the calls and following up and put in extra time. So that's someone like you want to talk. I think you're seeing a theme here from Nate to Chad to Val to the, the business that we've built, the company that we run, the, the amount of volume that we can do. It's about surrounding yourself with the right people and bringing the right people in for the right position, right seat, right person on the right seat of the bus, right? So what you can see is this, this kind of this theme going where these people are coming in and treating the business just like it's theirs. And even Val, you even said you were running a business by yourself before when you went back to your country. It's like, you know, Chad was trying to do this on his own. You know, he was, and then he started working for another company. It's these, these are the people that once we get to a, a, a point in our careers and our businesses are at a certain size, we need to bring in people really high level like this to, uh, to really be able to move up and start, you know, taking ownership and start moving up levels, you know, in the company. And you, you moved up really fast. I mean, I remember when you were answering phones, Nate just calls me and he's like, man, we've got to make, we got to make room for her. Like we have got to make room for her. She is not going to, um, same thing that I talked about with Chad, Chad comes in and he just starts like working, working, working. And he is doing such a great job that we just have to make room for them. Like get out of my way. I'm growing inside of this company, whether you like it or not. And you know, Val, our company grows so fast in this industry and what we have, it's just like moving so fast and growing and just constantly like doubling every year. We need people who can double with it. We need people that have this, like, they just want to grow their wings and fly inside the company. And that was you, you know, you came in and you're just, you know, doing really well on the phone and saying, you, you would send me an eat me a Nate emails. Like I got these ideas. I want to try this stuff, you know? Um, Hey, why are we doing this? And I'm just going, Oh my gosh, we gotta, we gotta make sure that we are listening to her. She's putting out such great information and great ideas um, to be able to help us kind of grow this company. And we're a team, right? It's not, mm -hmm. Uh, this is my boss. This is your boss as the owner of the company. I mean, we get in the room, you'll be the first one to tell me that what I'm, t what I'm saying is not right. And I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. We have to have people that can be assertive and tell you when the emperor is not wearing any clothes. Right. So mm -hmm. the one thing that I remember about, and Nate, I think Nate mentioned it on a podcast uh, a couple episodes ago was he said, when he called you to interview you, he asked you what book you were reading. Uh, do you remember which one that was? traction. <laughs> yeah. 
the fact that we have some uh, a woman applying uh, using her name Val with a Moldovan accent, which we had no idea where that country was before Val was hired. And, and she says, it's almost like she's like lying. She's been reading my blog or something. And she's, no. she's reading traction. I mean, if you look on, if you're on the video, you look on the back shelf, I, I recognize three books there. And one of them's traction. One of them's extreme ownership by Jocko Willink. And the other one's the millionaire next door, which is right. hands down that millionaire next door is hands down my favorite book of all oh, times for thinking about money and how like how millionaires think they they went uh, dr stanley i think is his name he went and interviewed like 800 millionaires uh, it was in the 90s about you know what how they spent their money what they were doing what kind of house they lived in what kind of car they drove just really cool to read that book and think about it and he just did he just did a, uh, a he renewed that book um, and there's a new edition that came out and I bought it. I haven't read it yet. So I'm excited to read it. So, uh, but those three books, like th those are the three books that have changed my life and my business over the past, like, and I don't know if you just staged them there to impress me or no, what, but no, I swear, they've always been here. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, those are, those are seriously traction was the one that I read right when I joined seven figure flipping extreme ownership was what I read about a year ago. And that changed. Like I, I, I basically like, pushed it on you guys. Like you have to read it. Everybody on the staff has to read it. I thought it was for, for a leader, just for the owner of the company, but it talks about, you know, this bottom up leadership and stuff like really like managing us too, managing the expectations of the owner and your bosses and the positions above you and really kind of like leading from all levels, prioritize and execute. I mean, there's so many great things in there. Um, and that's basically probably like the rule book that we run the company off of now between traction and extreme ownership. And then Millionaire Next Door is just great for kind of how you manage your money. So like you were exuding those core values right from the beginning and you probably didn't even know how like in tune that we were as a company and you, but there's something in there. I, I'm telling you guys, there's something going on here. I think you can hear it over these past few episodes. Like you were attracted by something that we said in the ad and we very we write those ads specifically for the people that we want we use adjectives we use the words that people read it and go that's me that's me that's me like i'm that person i can do this i can do that job that describes me and it weeds out the people who are takers and they they want they want things to be handed to them and they have this expectation that they are really like high and mighty and it weeds those people out because they read it and they go ah oh, that's that position's not for me you know, I'm looking somewhere where I can be my own boss or I can do this. And it's not, do you want to be a part of a high performing team? Do you want to be, um, you know, do you want to have a, uh, some flexibility, this work from like all these different words that we are using to say, I want you, like, I want your personality because I mean, Val said it and I'll say it. It's, it's about the person. Like it's really about the personality first and then show me your experience. But if we don't get along or like you said, there's no like chemistry there or no, you don't clicking with that person, then I don't care if you have the most experience in the world, you're not going to work out. It's not, not going to work here. So I think that's good stuff. So you went to uh, lead intake and then we kind of like skipped over all this stuff to you've been hiring people and stuff like that so you did such a great job there that we said you know what uh, Val you need to take over this whole department and start managing uh, the other people so you went out and kind of built your team and it's obvious that you're taking ownership of your team so like what were some of the changes that you made when kind of you took over and what are some of the things I think that you're doing right now that maybe some of the listeners could um, could get from that you know something uh, in their business that they could implement Mm -hmm. 
one thing that I'm, I'm doing is I empower my teammates, right? I, I empower uh, the, the people I work with. I want them to take ownership of their role as well. It's not just me telling them what to do, is they know what, what, what they have to do. And it's not necessarily coming from me. It's, it's what the company expects them. And then I can just repeat what the company expects them to do. But they take ownership of that. And uh, we keep pulse on, on lead intake. We have weekly meetings uh, where we discuss uh, different strategies that we can use, where we can share the, the things that I use that the other girls don't, right? Or, or vice versa. By now, um, my teammates, they have such a good experience answering the phones that they might organize their day differently than I am, and it's more effective. So, you know, we, we're always in constant communication. We have great chemistry together, uh, and, and we, I think that's, that's something I implemented and, and I'm really proud of. Just keep a pulse, keep pulse on, on lead intake. And uh, we're also reading a book together as a group, as a, as a the team. And I love seeing how they already implement what they learn in the book with our callers. And we have great results, right? We, we recently just had, you know, we made an appointment with a seller who didn't want to do business before us when he called our answering service because he was annoyed by the questions. So my teammate, so Dawn, called him back and uh, she asked the right questions based on the book that we are currently reading. And she said the appointment, and I'm so curious to see how that appointment is going because it looks like a pretty good lead. And, and uh, I hope, you know, we hope, I hope to get it. But that's one thing I like is because we, we can't stop growing, you know, and I know it's a core value of our business as a whole, but I have to enforce it on my team because I'm responsible for how the team is producing and I am performing. And uh, we can't, we, we will only grow as much if we're not improving ourselves and working on ourselves. So absolutely, education is a, is a core thing that, that we do. Uh, but also, let's see, what else? Uh, we keep track of data, uh, of Im Im important data. Uh, if the lead was marked as dead, why was it dead? Was it because it was the wrong number? Was it spam? Uh, did they not have a house to sell? Is it dead because we lost it to a competitor? Or did they go with an agent? Why, did, why are we not moving forward with this lead? And I think this kind of statistics gives us very good insight about our actions and what we can do to, uh, you know, to improve lead intake. Um, if, if we lost that lead because of a competitor, well, what, what can we do? What can we learn about this? Oh, let's listen to the recording. Uh, is there a pattern here, right? Let's, let's analyze it and let's see what we can do. And, and I think that's, that's you know, going to be very useful. We recently started implementing that and I hope to get some really good feedback and data from, from my findings here. Yeah, I think that's a goldmine right there. Um, so before we move on, I, I, I do want to touch on the data side, but I'm sure everybody's listening is like, what book are they reading? What's the one that just helped them convert? Because, you know, there's like, everybody's listening is going, oh, that's like a, some secret that they're using. It, that, that book is probably some secret book that they don't want to share. So what book are you reading at, uh, right now with the team? We are reading Never Split the Difference. Okay, Chris Voss, uh, his book, it's a, a previous uh, hostage negotiator for, negotiator for the FBI, unbelievable book, great sales book. And guys, when you're talking about sales, it, we're not just talking about going in the house and negotiating a contract with the seller. That's kind of like the what everybody thinks is the sales training, these salespeople, but you have inside sales reps on the phone. These people are selling. The people on the phone are selling every... We, I, there's somebody selling you something in every conversation. If you, I mean, if you don't know that, then you're probably getting sold. So 
I mean, it's definitely softer. It's inside sales. It's a little bit more informational. Let me get some information. But the goal is like the close on that is to set the appointment and make sure that your salesperson, the acquisitions person is teed up appropriately for that appointment. So it's really important to be training on sales, uh, even on your lead intake. So don't forget that. There's a couple other books that I really love on the lead intake side. One of them is Crucial Conversations. I really like that book. It's one and yeah, Val, you can write that down and use it as the book club. It's it's really a great book for having kind of just different conversations with different people, difficult conversations. What does it look like? How do you navigate these conversations between two people? So, um, and then all these, all the sales books are really great. Like Pitch Anything is one that I really, really love. It's kind of that neuro-linguistic processing stuff. Um, and, uh, and Never Split the Difference. I mean, I must have read that book five, six times. It's just it's powerful. I'll read it a couple times a year, every year. So um, that's cool. So the data stuff, like we're doing the same thing on the marketing side. We're doing the same thing on the sales side, same thing on the disposition side. Like what does the data look like now that we're, if we really want to run a high performing company that, I mean, if we move our margins by $500 a deal, I mean, that is unbelievable. It's like an extra hundred thousand dollars a year. If we do that, uh, I mean, a thousand dollars is going to be two hundred thousand dollars, almost a quarter million dollars of extra profit just by moving the margins a little bit in a company like this. So, um, I know that you're not all there, but some of you are. So, when it comes to data, you guys are tracking that. I think it's really cool because now we've got this this deal that maybe another competitor got. We got a couple other ones that we lost to competitors, a couple that we lost to realtors, a couple that we lost to uh, something else. And then what we can do is if it's all in the CRM, then we can, we can pull that data from the last year and actually sort it and see what percentage of those dead leads were from competitors, what percentage were from um, realtors, what percentage were from uh, the seller decided not to sell the house. Like, what does that look like? And like you said, is there a trend? And if there's a trend, then I love what you said. Like, how can we fix it? Like, what can we do about it? If we lost something to a competitor, what can we learn from it? How can we be better next time? And that's what it is. I mean, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to, you're going to make the wrong offer. We're going to, we're going to lose a deal. We're going to lose something. But like the team that we've put together here is somebody who's not willing to lose. Like they are winners. It's a high performing team and they want to win. So when you have people like that, that are surrounding you, that care about your business just as much, if not more than you do, that's when you've gotten to a place that I think that we've gotten. And that's why I'm so proud of you guys right now. That's why I, on these interviews, I'm just going, oh my gosh, you guys are doing this stuff. It's so cool. Like, it's really great. And you have taken it and just kind of run with it. And I'm really, really proud of you, especially over a short period of time. I think you've only been, what, a year with the company, maybe a little longer, almost a year, not even a year. So guys, like, okay. Val has not even been with us for one year and is already like running the lead intake team completely hiring people on her own. Did Nate tell you like who to hire, what to do, uh, uh, all that stuff? No, he told me, trust your instinct, trust your gut. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, it's incredible, right? Like this is the kind of, but I'll tell you what, when you get, just like what you said earlier in the interview, you got, you feel like you give your team that kind of, um, that, that kind of, uh, you give them that, uh, that, let them take ownership of it. Like you just give them that responsibility. And Nate did the same thing for you. He's not going to micromanage you. Not, and I'm not either. Like we're, if, if that's your, if that's your, if that's your girl, then that's your girl. Like, let's see how she does because you're going to work really hard to, to make sure that she's doing a good job to give, to get, to pour into her, to train her and all these things. And if we told you who to hire, who to fire, what to do, like all that stuff, it's just, 
you're, you're not able to grow and do your job. Like we've given you the ability to kind of grow inside of the company. And that's really what a lot of people want and need. And I heard the same thing on Chad's call. Yeah. And, and you give me the opportunity to not be afraid to fail. You know, and I think that's huge in a company because you, you learn so much from your mistakes and your failures. But, you know, you fail fast, learn fast, right? And, and, and find a solution fast. Right. So and having this freedom to to be OK, you know, to grow that that that's huge. And I love this in our company. Uh, and that's why I felt OK with with my I did have a bad hire. Right. And then uh, the, the girl with the perfect experience, which didn't work out for us. And, and but I learned. Right. That was the lesson. OK, so experience is not the only important thing that's when you hire there needs to be motivation. Why they want to work with us? How is this job fitting into what they're future plans right and and so it's it's so much more what kind of person they are and that's how i learned i learned just from from you know but fail fast learn fast and that's something i i, I really appreciate it here i love that and you know what hey guys if you're listening to this and going oh okay he's got this big team and he's got this staff and he's got this these managers that are doing and the coo that he's interviewing all that stuff's great but if you're not pulling the things out of here that the one man show can get from this you're you're really missing out so like what Val's saying right now, don't be afraid to fail. It doesn't go for just my staff or it goes for me. When I started this company, that's, I mean, I could not be afraid to fail. In fact, I encouraged it. I wanted to fail. The more that I failed, the more that I learned, the more mistakes that I made, the more mistakes that I won't make again. Everything that I do has been a failure. I have failed. I've failed more times than anybody and I want to fail more times than anybody. I just don't want to do the same thing over and over and over again, make the same mistake, make the same failures, go down the same road. Like I want to close that road. So I never go down it again. And then all roads lead to where I want to be. You know, once we go down these roads that we find out it's a dead end, we come back, we're not going to, we're not going to make that same mistake again. So if you're afraid to fail, this is like the number one thing that stops people from getting started in anything, not just real estate investing, but life in general. Like people are afraid of what's going to happen. They're, they're getting comfortable. Chad and I talked about it. You get in their comfort zone and you just stay there forever. And you have all these dreams and these hopes and all the stuff that you want to do and you don't actually ever get out there and do it because you're afraid to fail. Well, embrace the failure, get out there, go fail, go fail again and fail again and fail again until you finally reach success. And it's just steps along the way. I mean, every single point that I look at, I can do a chart with, and we could chart it out however we want, whether it's years, whether it's money that I made, whether it's uh, big decisions of my life, anything. There were failures on every single, any time that I went from one level to the next, it was on the back of a failure. Every time. Like I can pinpoint the failure that I made to get me to the next level. To, because I had to fail. I had to fail. I had to fail. I had to realize that I was at that point. And even what Chad talked about on the last one, he said, he got comfortable and he just wanted to change. He wanted to get uncomfortable. Growth is in the uncomfortable realm. And so probably another thing when you're hiring somebody or talking to somebody or trying to figure out how, how they're dri driven is, you know, are you afraid to fail? What does it look like? How do you handle failure? Like, what are some of the things that you do? The, the, like, what is, tell me about some times that you failed in the past. How did it make you feel? Like some of that stuff can be really powerful to understand, are they going to blame somebody else? Or are they going to take ownership for it? So that's one of my favorite interview questions is like, tell me about a time where you lost out on a deal or that you failed and tell me about it. And if they're, yeah, well, the market crashed and it's all their, their fault and all these other things, it's not somebody that I want to work with. And they say, well, hey, this is a mistake that I made. Here's what I learned from it. And this is why I won't do it again. Boom. Like that is powerful, yeah. right? True. 
All right. Well, hey, I think we've given them enough nuggets today. I think I think you're like I don't know. Your story is just uh, is incredibly inspiring. Just the whole journey along the way. I, I learned some things today that I had no idea about. Um, I didn't know that you were uh, just coming here, applying for job after job after job. That we were in competition with like hundreds of other companies, and we won Val. That is awesome. We won. Yes. And um, I won you guys. That that's huge, huge win for me. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, it's so incredible. It's, it's a win-win, right? Like when we get to this point that, that we have people that love what they do and we have people that we love, it's like, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's rocket fuel. We keep, I mentioned it on the last couple of podcasts is that rocket fuel is just, we have this, you know, that we have this fuel and we have this ignition and they come together and it's just this huge explosion that we're seeing right now in the company. And I've never been happier than I am right now. It's just, I, this is not, like it really is. And I love bringing you guys on here and having you guys and like learning a little bit more about you and getting to ask you a couple questions about your past and your, your family and, and just to spend some more time with you is a lot of fun. So Mm-hmm. I, I know that everybody on the call wants to see some more of you. So um, you're coming to Flip Hacking Live in October, right? I am. I can't wait. Yeah. So this is your first time. You've never been to one before, right? Never been to one before. I'm so excited about it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm excited to see what you have to say afterwards. And I'll tell you, the coolest thing that I have about bringing my team there is that they get to like meet and socialize and talk with other people and other people's teams and get to know other investors around the country and what they're doing and really see kind of the level that we're at and how we're doing and um, and to see that they are really like the best of the best. Like you guys are going to go there and you're, you know, be, have a big chip on your shoulder when you come back. But I want that. Like all the people that we have are really high driven people. Like they've got a little bit of an ego and sometimes it just needs to be, uh, get a little pat on the back. So I, they come back and work harder than ever, you know, and like, Hey, I am the, um, the best of the best. Like we are the elite real estate investment company out there. Like, and sometimes when you operate in a world like that, you don't actually know how good we really are until you get around other people that are doing a little bit less or, you know, not at the same level. And then the other thing that you guys are going to get is you're going to start talking to other people and other people's teams. And they're going to say, Hey, are you guys doing this? And you're going to pick up on one or two things there that is going to change the trajectory of our business over the next couple months, you know, six months, one year after that. And it's just everything that's happening right now in today's industry, taking notes in the audience. It's going to be really cool. And you're going to speak on stage. I am. Do you, do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So, so uh, Val's going to um, gonna take some time to talk about kind of the lead intake process and some of the things that we're doing that we didn't share here. So, um, so look, guys, if you, if you enjoyed this, if you enjoyed kind of the series and all the people that I'm bringing on, I'm bringing on a lot of the guests that we're going to have at the event and just a lot of people that are really close to me in my life to um, just kind of talk to them and get to know them a little bit better and hopefully share some things that will help you in your business. So I really think that like a lot of the hiring discussion that we talked about today, a lot of the uh, little tricks of uh, the lead intake, kind of what to say, maybe a couple books to read. Uh, these are a couple nuggets. I mean, this, use this free resource of the podcast, like take that, do something with it, go buy a book, read it, um, start implementing it in your business, get going, like, don't be afraid to fail, take all of these steps. So if you're listening to this and you're just like, just trying to get started, just get out there, go, 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 go. Like, don't wait, go knock on some doors, go fail, go get told no, get uh, a door slammed in your face a couple times. And remember what Val said is like, Hey, that pe- that person needs me. You know, they, they need help. They need to talk to me. So I don't know, just keep knocking on their door until they either sell you their house or uh, I don't know, the cops come, I guess. So um, yeah, I'm just kidding. Don't, uh, don't wait till the cops are called. All right. Uh, so 
everybody can come see you at Flip Hacking Live. So October 10th through the 12th in San Diego, the Hilton Bayfront Resort, right there overlooking Coronado, beautiful resort, um, fliphackinglive.com. You guys want to get some tickets, go to fliphackinglive.com. Come see Val, come hang out with me. Um, we'll be there. We'll be kind of answering some questions, hanging out, doing some cool stuff, speaking from stage, uh, sharing the business and everything that we're doing. So there's no, we not hold anything back. We don't, uh, we don't, don't keep the secrets all here and or give you half of what you need. And, and then I hope you can figure out the other half. It's uh, it's everything that you need to get going in your business. And it's uh, a lot of people ask me who it's for. It's for, it's for anybody. It's for beginners. It's for really advanced people. I mean, the people that are on stage are going to be doing a couple hundred deals, but we're also going to break it down to the, the beginner process. Like, you know, what, you could take something, just one of these presentations, plug it into your business. And I mean, these are million dollar ideas. Every presentation is a million dollar idea. If you could take it and plug it into a business, it should make you another million bucks. We have 20 presenters. This is a $20 million business. So just plug every single thing in, do it all and go make a couple million dollars in your company. So, um, Come join us October 10th through the 12th, Flip Packing Live, uh, fliphackinglive.com. You can get your tickets. We will sell out. I promise you that. So it's just a matter of when. So don't wait. Go get your tickets and come see Val and me and Chad and Nate and, you know, all the board of directors that I've interviewed. And I've got a couple more coming up that we're going we're gonna to talk to. So, um, but mainly come see Val. She's awesome. She's the best. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I right. look forward to sharing some great insights from the leading take uh, department. And I think uh, I think those present at the event will really like what I have to say. Yeah, I agree. And we got some cool stuff that we're working on to to help some of our mastermind members and things like that. So um, we'll be talking about that at the event too. So it's going to be really exciting stuff to have you a little bit more involved. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited about that. All right. All right, guys. Um, that's it. We got to go fliphackinglive.com. Get your tickets. Stop waiting. You procrastinators go get them. All right, Val. Thanks for hanging out with me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Bill. Likewise. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the house flipping HQ podcast with Bill Allen. If you haven't gotten your tickets to flip hacking live to see our guests live on stage, sharing all of their systems and secrets, make sure you go to fliphackinglive.com before tickets are sold out. This is an event you can't miss. We'll see you in San Diego.